Hello, my friends. Today, I take you through an RCMP document um, assessing the question, is Trudeau a fraudster? And they have this decision tree. You know what I mean? Like, if he did this, then proceed. If yes, then this. If no, then this. I'll take you through it. It's quite something. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, he did commit fraud, according to the RCMP, but they didn't charge him because they thought he could pardon himself. I'll show you the proof of that. But first, let me invite you to subscribe to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this podcast. Go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month, which is a heck of a deal. You get my show every weekday, plus weekly shows from four of my colleagues. It's a lot of content for about half the price of Netflix. And we're not as woke as Netflix, I'll tell you that for sure. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, the Mounties were seriously considering charging Trudeau with fraud until one cop said Trudeau could just pardon himself, so they gave up. It's April 26th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon yeah. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish is because it's my bloody right to do so. Here's a story from the Globe and Mail yesterday. Here's how it looked in the printed version. You can see right there, RCMP considered whether to charge PM over Aga Khan trip. Police ultimately decided rules were unclear about Trudeau's ability to approve his own vacation. The RCMP considered charging Justin Trudeau with fraud over a family vacation at the Aga Khan's private island in the Bahamas, but decided against doing so because it was unclear if the prime minister had the authority to approve the all-expenses-paid gift for himself. <laughs> oh, so I guess if it's unclear, better, better let him get away with it then, right? Now, that's what the headline in the story looked like at first, but I see this happening a lot, especially with news media that take money from Justin Trudeau. The original headline is changed, at least online, if it can't be changed in the print edition that is already gone out the door. And since most people read the online version these days, it's like the original never existed. So here's what that headline and that same story looks like now if you go to the Global Mail website. Headline's different. Trudeau faces backlash in-house over inquiry into Aga Khan trip. So the news isn't anymore that Trudeau was facing criminal charges. It's not even mentioned in the headline. No. Now the news is that the, there's some awful backlash by those lashing back conservatives. They're always lashing out, aren't they? And here's the first sentence in the story. Now, the liberal government sidestepped opposition questions about an RCMP inquiry into Justin Trudeau's family vacation at the Aga Khan's Bahamian retreat, saying on Monday that the country faces more important issues than the prime minister's past ethical conduct. Oh, so the headline is those lashing out conservatives, and the first sentence is no longer the news. The accusation, the facts that the RCMP were considering charging Trudeau with fraud, the first sentence is now his excuse. There are more important things to talk about. Well, look, the Globe and Mail is owned by Canada's richest oligarchs, the 
Thompson family. But you don't get to be that rich by letting free money slip through your fingers. I mean, a billion here, a billion there really adds up. So the Globe and Mail takes tens of millions of dollars in newspaper bailout money from Trudeau, extracted from working class Canadian taxpayers who have no use for that snobby newspaper other than to line their birdcage. But what it does is it makes the Globe and Mail, like the rest of the bailout media, very sensitive to hurting Trudeau's feelings. There's no doubt in my mind that the PMO called up the Globe and had them change the headline and change the lead in that story to soften it for the boss, the boss being Trudeau. It's true the Conservatives did lash back, but pretty mildly. Here's a clip of the exchange in question period. Mr. Speaker, we're talking about the RCMP here, not the Ethics Commissioner. Nearly released documents from the RCMP reveal there may be reasonable grounds to believe that the Prime Minister committed the offense of fraud on the government contrary to Section 121.1c of the Criminal Code. Now, this was after the Prime Minister was found guilty of accepting luxurious Bahamian vacations worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. The Mounties didn't proceed with charging the Prime Minister because the Prime Minister may have granted himself a get-out-of-jail-free card. So did the Prime Minister give himself the power to break the law? The Honourable Government House Leader. Speaker, uh, the, there was five years ago a report that was done by the Ethics Commissioner. Uh, that report uh, made all of the matters clear. The Prime Minister responded appropriately. But again, Mr. Speaker, I will say I understand that the party opposite wants to drag in partisan politics and play games. Uh, but I would say there are a lot of pressing issues facing this country. We just had a, a budget table that takes critical action on housing and Indigenous reconciliation and the environment. And I would think those are important questions to be asking about, Mr. Speaker. Yeah. Not very lashing, to be honest. Now, you, remind, you might remember that Trudeau and his gold digger wife, Sophie, wanted to party in the Bahamas like some, you know, reality TV stars or something, like rock stars, but they certainly didn't want to pay for it themselves, even though they had the money. So Trudeau asked the billionaire named the Aga Khan, the leader of the Ismaili Muslim community, to use his private Bahamian island for free. That's at least a $200,000 vacation. And Trudeau kept it a secret. Here's how the Globe puts it, a bit lower down in the story. Mr. Trudeau and his family went to the Aga Khan's private island at Christmas 2016, even though the Ismaili Muslim leader had millions of dollars in dealings with the federal government. In 2017, then-Ethics Commissioner Mary Dawson found he violated the Conflict of Interest Act by accepting the vacation because of continuing official business between the government and the Aga Khan. The Aga Khan Foundation Canada has received nearly $330 million from the federal government since 1981. And, you know, that's the problem. <laughs> Justin Trudeau and the Aga Khan weren't really friends. The Aga Khan was friends with Trudeau's dad, Pierre Trudeau. Well, look, so many of Justin Trudeau's friends are just friends he inherited from his dad. It's just that this friend, the Aga Khan, also gets hundreds of millions of dollars from the Canadian government. So it would have been weird to receive this greedy personal phone call out of the blue demanding a secret luxury holiday for Trudeau and his family and his friends. It wasn't just Trudeau himself. He brought the whole team. <laughs> but if you're asking the government of Canada for hundreds of millions of dollars in grants... You bet you're going to give the greedy prime minister whatever personal loot bag he wants. I mean, what's the rate of return on that investment? So you have to really clean out the hot tub afterwards and restock the liquor cabinet. But 
you're pretty sure you're going to get your next $330 million check in the mail. That's good business. A third of a billion dollars? <laughs> but that's illegal. Pretty obvious. I mean, don't take my word for it. The ethics commissioner investigated and convicted Trudeau of breaking the Conflict of Interest Act. The penalty, though, a $500 fine. <laughs> $500 fine. I'm serious. You can find that report online. It's called The Trudeau Report, published by the ethics commissioner who had a trial on the matter. But when you fine a man 500 smackers for taking a free $200,000 vacation, you're not exactly making it a deterrent, are you? So guess what? There's a Trudeau report, book two. He was convicted again. And guess what? There's a Trudeau report, <laughs> book three. I'm not even kidding. He's being convicted again and fined again. Trudeau has broken the Conflict of Interest Act more than all other prime ministers combined because he's, in fact, the only one to ever violate the act even once. But he really doesn't care what judges or courts say. I mean, that's for the little people. I'm reminded of that day when the Federal Court of Canada ordered Trudeau to accredit Rebel News reporters at the election debates, and the judges declared that we are, in fact, journalists who have the right to be let in. So the federal court's ruling was so fresh it was hours old. But Trudeau didn't care. He doesn't care what some lowly judge has to say. He's Trudeau. So this is what he said to our reporter. I have a question from Tamara Ugolini from Rebel News. Mr. Trudeau, the only reason that I'm allowed to ask you this question is because today the federal court ruled that the government doesn't have the right to determine who is or is not a journalist. This is the second election in a row that the court had to overturn your government. Do you still insist on being able to make that decision and why? First of all, questions around accreditation were handled by the press gallery and the consortium of uh, networks who have uh, strong perspectives on quality journalism and the important information that is shared with Canadians. Uh, the reality is organizations, organizations like yours uh, that continue to spread misinformation and disinformation on the science around vaccines, around how we're going to actually get through this pandemic and be there for each other and keep our kids safe is part of why we're seeing such um, unfortunate uh, anger and lack of understanding of basic science. And quite frankly, your, I won't call it a media organization, your group of individuals uh, need to take accountability for uh, some of the polarization that we're seeing in this country. And I think Canadians uh, are cluing into the fact that uh, there is a really important decision we take about the kind of country we want to see. And I salute all extraordinary hardworking journalists that put science and facts at the heart of what they do and ask me tough questions every day, uh, but make sure that they are educating and informing Canadians from a broad range of perspectives, which is the last thing that you guys do. Yeah, do you really think he cares what any judge says, what any law says, what anyone says? He's his own God. Yeah. Fraud! 
Mr. Speaker. Fraud on the government. That's the charge the RCMP considered laying against the Prime Minister for taking an exotic holiday as a free gift in 2016. Recent documents show the RCMP knew he committed the illegal act, but they also knew there was a loophole that he could have used. As silly as it might sound, the Prime Minister could have written himself a note, given himself permission to take the holiday. So my question is this. Did the Prime Minister give himself permission to take that free holiday in 2016? The Right Honourable Prime Minister. No, Mr. Speaker. This matter was settled years ago when the Ethics Commissioner re released the report. While the Conservatives continue to focus on petty politics and on me, we're going to continue to focus on Canadians, on investing in housing across the country, in $10 a day childcare for families, in continuing to lead on world-class investments in fighting climate change. That is what Canadians expect of us. That is what we continue to do. I mean, the corruption is out of control. It's off the hook because he's entitled to everything. But because everyone looks to the top of an organization for their role model, for their example, you know, that's spread. I remember when Stephen Harper was the prime minister, he fired a cabinet minister for charging a $16 orange juice from a hotel minibar to taxpayers. I'm serious. 16 bucks. Bev Oda was the cabinet minister's name. She was actually great, by the way. She cut so much wasteful spending. But because it appeared that she was taking liberties with a $16 orange juice, she was sacked. Can you even imagine that level of penny-pinching? Trudeau has set the opposite example, not just for waste and overspending, but for actual corruption. Just yesterday, I see that Trudeau's hand-picked governor general got in on the game, giving an enormous, nearly $100,000 sole source contract to some journalist who had praised her. Seriously, they really are all this way, aren't they? Hmm. <laughs> Uh, look at this one. Company directed by Defense Minister Anita Anand's husband was awarded COVID contract over 18 competitors, records show. So, yeah, it's it's not just the size of the dollars. It's just the bald-faced corruption and no one seems to care. But this story on the front page of The Globe, the story that the conservative MPs had a backlash over, it's quite something. In short, the RCMP did, in fact, see plenty of evidence of fraud in Trudeau's sneaky free trip to the Bahamas. But incredibly, the reason they refused to prosecute him or to charge him, according to their own internal memo, was because they thought Trudeau could forgive himself, could give himself permission to commit fraud, could pardon himself, really. So sure, anyone else would have been charged with fraud, like a deputy minister or some bureaucrat. I mean, think about it. Imagine if some bureaucrat in charge of procurement in charge of some government contract for the federal government who, who had access to a huge pot of government money. Imagine if he were caught taking a sneaky secret free $200,000 vacation to the Bahamas, courtesy of some registered lobbyist like the Aga Khan. He would be fired and prosecuted for corruption. But the argument of the RCMP was that because the PM is the PM, it's therefore legal, or at least it could be legal. I'm serious. The conservatives released and access information requests with these internal RCMP memos, much of it redacted, but what's visible is still shocking. And it's the continuation of the banana republicification of Canada. I mean, first Trudeau said his opponents should be marginalized, should not be tolerated. Then he suspended civil liberties in Canada and imposed a form of martial law. He seized his opponents' bank accounts without legal process. 
He's looking to censor the internet. These are all third world strongman moves. And he ignores the courts or pardons himself, at least enough that the police don't even bother to charge him with crimes anymore, for which they would charge another person. That's the state of Canada in 2022. Seriously, I want to show you page 329 of this RCMP memo. It's called a decision tree on whether or not to prosecute someone for fraud on the government. I think that's section 121 of the criminal code. Let me just show it to you. This is the RCMP memo. Was Mr. Trudeau a government official? Yes. Did Mr. Trudeau accept a benefit from the Aga Khan? Yes. Did the Aga Khan have dealings with the government? Yes. Did Mr. Trudeau have the consent in writing of the head of the branch of government for whom he worked? Unknown. What, they didn't ask him? They didn't bother to ask him. If no, did Mr. Trudeau know that what he accepted was a benefit from a person who had dealings with the government? Yes. Final verdict? Guilty of fraud on the government. So look at that one part marked unknown. The cops are saying they don't know if Trudeau wrote himself a letter <laughs> that he had the consent of the head of the branch of the government for which he worked because the police thought that maybe Trudeau himself was the head of the branch for which he worked. Well, of course he was. It would be like a police chief being allowed to commit fraud because the police chief approved it. Yeah, that's the problem. The same police chief, that is. He could literally commit any fraud as long as he consented to himself committing it. That's what the cops said. That's, that's why they didn't charge him. Now, I can see how that is a possible uh, interpretation of the law, an interpretation that is at odds with the spirit of the law. Maybe because no one who wrote the law ever contemplated that the prime minister himself would be a three-time convicted conflict of interest lawbreaker and that the laws had to protect against him personally. But how about let a judge make that decision? How about charge him and let a judge decide? Instead of Trudeau's hand-picked RCMP commissioner, Brenda Lucky, shown here hugging her boss. Yeah, she sure is holding him to account. She's just holding him. You know, just by coincidence, yesterday, the Liberals released information on how the RCMP cracked down on peaceful trucker, truckers and their, those donating them. Here's part of their answer to a question on the order paper. The RCMP disclosed information on 57 entities broken down into 18 individuals and 39 vehicles. As well, the RCMP had identified and disseminated 170 Bitcoin wallet addresses as receiving funds linked to the Hong Kong HODL crowdfunding campaign. Got it. So ordinary citizens who donated money for food and gas to the truckers and the RCMP goes full Putin on them, 18 people, 39 vehicles, 170 Bitcoin addresses. So that's what the RCMP is busy doing. But, but of course, those peaceful protesters were politically embarrassing the Trudeau. Of course, Brenda Lucky and her partisan Mounties were going to harass them. Those are the cops who literally shot our reporter Alexa Lavoie in the leg for embarrassing Trudeau with her journalism. You know, for years, I have vigorously rejected anyone who has tried to call Trudeau a criminal, especially those who say he's a traitor or treasonous. My argument has been that it's wrong to criminalize a difference of opinion. That's what Trudeau does, and it's wrong. We should be able to disagree peacefully but vigorously without getting the police to arrest anyone. Now, I don't think Trudeau is a traitor or treasonous. Those have special meanings. I don't think he's those things. I think he's just an authoritarian bully, bit of a thug, 
a violator of civil liberties and a narcissist, but I do think it's fair, having read this memo, I do think it's fair to say he has committed fraud against the country. He's been convicted three times in a row by the Conflict of Interest Commissioner. He shows no compunction. And he was let go of this fraud charge by the cops simply because they thought he could write a little letter pardoning himself so they didn't want to upset anybody by charging him with fraud, which they had otherwise decided they could prove. So, yeah, I, I guess I do think Trudeau is a specific kind of criminal, a criminal fraudster. I think the RCMP notes support that conclusion. It's tough to watch, though, as he infuses his corruption and his authoritarianism into the entire Canadian political system. It's tough to watch, and it's tougher still to fight back. Stay with us for more with Alexa Lavoie. government will pay for the hotel room for their quarantine. The ministry report that as of March 8, 2022, over 7,000 individuals entered Canada between land port of entry in Quebec seeking asylum. Of those individuals arriving at Roxham Road, approximately 40% were fully vaccinated and 60 were unvaccinated. That means a lot of hotel room paid by you, taxpayer. That's a clip from a great expose by our lead reporter in Quebec, Alexa Lavoie. You can tell she was at the Roxham Road border crossing. And it's a bit of a joke watching the police saying, if you take one more step, you'll be arrested. Yeah, they'll be arrested and then given the luxury of their lifetimes. I mean, a lot of these folks are not American, by the way. There is no such thing as a refugee from America. It's a modern, liberal, civil rights-respecting democracy with a social welfare system. These are folks who come to America and then go to Roxham Road, knowing they'll be let in and be given three square meals a day and a roof over their head. The arrest is more like a hug. And of course, there are people in the United States who are about to be kicked out of the U.S. having failed to make their refugee claim there. The rules of refugees is that you must apply in the first safe country you meet. There is no one at that border who meets the legal definition of a refugee. But the joke is everyone can see that they are going to cross in because it's a welcome mat, not a fence. You could build a simple chain link fence and stop it, but they don't want to. Joining us now via Skype is our reporter, Alexa Lavoie. Alexa, great to see you again. I'm so glad that you're interested in the story and that you went back there. You've been there before, and so have some of our other reporters. It looks like they let you get up close without arresting you, because you've been threatened with arrest there before, haven't you? Yes, I was. But that time, uh, surprisingly, I crossed a little bit further to take a picture of, like, you know, the non-crossing uh, stop you cannot cross here and so it's really close to the side of the u.s and surprisingly in a minute after we we saw like a police car from u.s 
passing close from it from where I was so I was like okay um that's actually kind of surprising yeah I mean both the United States and the Canadian police know obviously what's going on and they both actually support it on the Canadian side it's Justin Trudeau's policy to welcome every mm -hmm. single bogus refugee like the very first act is a is a breaking of the law and there is no such thing as a refugee from America. There just isn't. But it, the Americans don't mind it either. The Americans could cut this off too. But they love it. They can't believe America would take these folks off of, sorry, they can't believe Canada would take these folks off of America's hands. I mean, many of these folks are about to be deported from the United States. So this really is the mythical self-deportation. Why would America stop a bogus lawbreaker from leaving the country. The crazy part is on our side. But you mentioned there, Alexa, that 60% of these people who come over are unvaccinated. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I believe vaccination should be a personal choice, but Justin Trudeau doesn't believe that. He won't let you or I get on an airplane, get on a train, cross a border without being vaccinated. But these people who are not Canadian citizens whose very first act is breaking the law, they're allowed to come and go vaccinated or not. It's really weird. Yeah, and that's a, that's a really funny part. Like, Mr. Trudeau is uh, letting people enter, like, like at large uh, without knowing uh, where they're from, uh, what is their past? But Mr. Trudeau have signed, like in 2018, for um, implementing uh, the key, like the biometrical identity for uh, um, the airport, uh, for the security of the people who enter in our country. But what about Roxham Road, who is actually just like a, a free enter without? like surveillance. You know, Roxham Road, of course, borders New York State and Quebec, but I imagine them, most of the people who cross over are not Francophone. So if, although they're detained uh, in Quebec uh, initially, they're all let go. Like, they're not kept in a giant jail or anything, and many of them will not have their refugee hearings for years, and I mean like five or ten years. Mm -hmm. So if they don't speak French and they don't have to leave for five or 10 years, they can literally go anywhere in the country, right? I mean, I suppose if you're a French-speaking bogus refugee, you, you'd hang around, but the rest of them just go wherever they want in the country. Yeah, and one of the biggest problems right now is like, usually they are, um, they have shelter in Montreal. It's where they, they put them, but now they don't have any space anymore because you have too much people right now and too much immigrants so they just don't know where they will uh, lodge them so so now probably because we have a lack of space they probably go somewhere else where they have more like lodging for them mm -hmm. um now the politics of immigration are a little bit different in quebec than they are in the rest of the country i think one obvious reason is that quebec is an island of French-speaking people in a sea of Anglophones of North America. And so language policy applies to that province. You know, you, you want immigrants who speak French, who understand the French history and culture. I get it. I respect it. I, I admire it. Um, 
so I, I think Quebecers and Quebec politicians and Quebec journalists are more critical of ridiculous immigration uh, loopholes like this than in English Canada where people are afraid of criticizing it. Is that correct? Is the Quebec media and our Quebec provincial politicians more critical of Roxham Road than the English uh, Canadian media who are silent about it? I would say that in our media, they don't really talk much about it. Uh, I think right now I can tell you that I maybe see like two or three reports from uh, Radio-Canada that is actually the CBC, but in French. Yeah. Uh, of course, they are really open to talk about the problem. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, after like they did the, their report, everything goes under silence. Yeah. Well, it looks like there was, I mean, you were you were not camped out there for weeks. So even in your short time there, it looks like there was a steady stream. How long were you there? And approximately how many people did you see cross during your time there? So that time I was not really there for a long time because I was uh, going there for a quick report. But I was really surprising. Like I think I saw in maybe... I would say one hour that maybe I spent uh, way is the crossing border. And I saw uh, th uh, four, three or four taxi with entire family. And uh, when I came to St. Bernard de la Colle, where is the, the big uh, establishment, I saw a couple of buses. Buses, eh? Huh. So buses on the Canadian side or on the American side? Canadian side. So there's a taxi service basically nonstop br brings these uh, migrants to the border. We've seen that before. And then they get on buses on the Canadian side and they're processed. And then they, they have a short stay in a hotel and then they're really let go. Is that, is that really how it goes? So when they, they arrived by a taxi that was, I have an advertise on the side of the taxi from the U.S., when they cross, they have two um, vehicles. One for the luggage and another one for the passenger. So they go to the Saint-Bernard de la Colle. They process by the immigration. And since they, they are at the immigration, the RCMP are, okay, it's not my business anymore. And so after that, they put them in um, um, kind of uh, buses. And they, I think they go to uh, maybe uh, for a PCR test in the establishment. But as you can see in the video, uh, the buses is like, uh, you know, the window are completely black. Right. So you, can you cannot really see inside, but right. you can see some silhouette. Yeah. And after that, they have been transported uh, in Montreal and at some hotel where they quarantine for some that is non-vaccinated. Huh. Well, it's just incredible to me. I mean, I have not uh, been able to leave our country. In fact, I have not left the country since before the pandemic. Now I don't think I would be allowed to, certainly not by plane or train. It just, it's such an egregious fact that this illegal border crossing where, I mean, it was just, if you take one more step, I'll arrest you. But they knew that that arrest would be the beginning of a life of free stuff. I mean, they're, they're coached. They know exactly what they're doing. I wonder, I wonder if a, a real refugee could go the other way. I wonder if a vaccine refugee who doesn't want to be fired from their job, who doesn't want to be demonized by Justin Trudeau, who doesn't want to be treated poorly, can cross over into the American side at Roxham Road 
and can be told by American police, you'll be arrested and say, I want asylum. I wonder if any Canadian would ever go the other direction because they want to live in a freer country than Canada. So a lot of people actually ask me if uh, it's a two-way uh, crossing border. I say, uh, no, it's not, uh, unfortunately. And uh, probably uh, in the U.S. Uh, side, you would be received like with a really well not good treat treatment to compare to Canada. Yeah. And uh, some some people are crossing the border, you know, like the entire family that I saw with like fresh new like shoes, uh, nice uh, headphone. And and uh, when they ask to them, like, where you're from? And they say like, oh, but uh, we were living in Bahamas, but uh, but finally, like the passport was not from there, was from Haiti. It was like, okay, you travel a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, there was a temporary permission for people from Haiti uh, to stay in the United States. I'm not. There was a natural disaster in Haiti, and so mm. Haitians were allowed to overstay the normal time limit in America. But as that's coming to an end, um, they either have to go back to Haiti, which is not a particularly nice place economically. It's still yeah. a, a, a wrecked disaster. It's not particularly free. It, there's lots of violence there, political violence. Um, you can stay in America, but you might be deported. Why not come to Canada, go to Montreal, where there's a Haitian community? And I just think that we're, we're being suckers. We're suckers to these people who are fake refugees. We're also suckers to the United States. We're taking thousands of people off of their plate. And that's why I think that's why the American cops don't mind one bit. If these people want to self-deport, they can. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll have to see. I wonder if there's a Canadian who would go the other direction and would. Um, I, I mean, it looks like there's not a bunch of cops waiting on the other side, although you said some police came quickly when you looked around the corner. Very interesting. I, I got to tell you, Alexa, I'm so glad you keep going to Roxham Road. And please do Continue to go there from time to time because we have to tell the story because the rest of the media won't. Yeah, and people need to understand that in 2017, uh, this this place was only tent, temporary place. It yeah. was not permanent. Yeah, yeah. Well, now it's uh, it's a permanent station. Listen, keep up the great work, and folks, uh, I invite you to watch the entire video elsewhere on the Rebel News site. It was a great piece by Alexa. Thank you, my friend. Thank you very much. All right, there it is, Alexa Lavoie, our chief reporter on Quebec. Uh, stay with us. More ahead. Welcome back. Your viewer mail, Mark S., says, if he's all about free speech, he can prove it by giving Trump's Twitter account back. Let's see if he does that first. You're talking about Elon Musk. Uh, well, I have already seen some banned Twitter accounts come back, and Elon Musk isn't in the building yet. I understand that Trump has said he won't come back even if he's asked. Maybe that's because he's trying to set up his truth social um, rival uh, social media platform. I think Trump should come back. Um, I mean, it would be fun if Trump had his own thing, although it's I'm curious why it's taking so long getting it going. But really, the whole point of Trump is to interact with the whole world, not just with his team. That's the difference between Trump at a public rally where it's just surrounded by his allies and Trump in the world tweeting at the president of Russia, the president of Ukraine. I'd love to see that again. Claude says, 
I wonder if Trudeau called Elon to congratulate him. He is, after all, a big advocate for democracy and free speech, right? Well, that's going to be interesting. Because Canada, as you know, has introduced a bill, C-18, where Trudeau wants to regulate social media. And we showed you the other day that Twitter's official response was already fairly robust, comparing Trudeau's plans to China and North Korea. Well, that was before Elon Musk took over. So I think uh, both sides are in for a bruising battle. Someone called Old Time Faith says Elon Musk is owner of Neuralink and hopes to connect people to AI, artificial intelligence. He is a wicked man, and Ezra has been making a lot of weird predictions as of late. I am familiar with Neuralink a little bit, and I, there are questions there that I want to answer or to have answered for me. And I can't say I'm com completely comfortable with it all. I also acknowledge that uh, Elon Musk is exposed to China through his Tesla investments there. Uh, and I think that's sort of a, a place where Elon Musk doesn't feel as courageous speaking out. But I don't know if someone has to be perfect in all regards for him to be good in one regard. And I think it's incontrovertible that by buying Twitter and announcing that he's going to emphasize free speech, in that one area of the world, Elon Musk has made the world better. And what do I care? It's his own money. I mean, he could buy yachts and homes like, you know, Bill Gates or, uh, you know, Jeffrey Bezos or Leo DiCaprio do. But instead, he bought Twitter with the claim that he wants to make it freer. How am I going to disagree with that? You know, the Bible says, put not your trust in princes. I think what that means is don't trust in any politician or any businessman or any human being too much because everyone's flawed, everyone's a bit of a sinner, maybe everyone's a liar in some cases. I'm not saying Elon Musk is my new god, but I'm saying he did come as a bit of a miracle to stop the censorship patrol at Twitter, and I think he's going to pay a price for it. They tried to stop him. He's got the company, but I think they're going to try and stop him in other ways. He's not a perfect man, but I think he's the only man at that level of wealth who has at least a public commitment to free speech. Listen, time will tell. We'll see what's what. I'm not saying that I endorse his early program. I'm not that familiar with it, and I have a lot of questions about it, but that doesn't stop me from celebrating the free speech win. That's the show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, good night, and keep fighting for freedom. And let me leave you with a fun little comedic video. We have uh, met this fabulous... TikToker. Well, I'll say no more. Just take a look and watch for yourself. Bye-bye. Space is exciting. Okay. And it spurs our imaginations. That means it gets it going. <laughs> and it forces us to ask big questions, right? Huge questions. Huge, huge questions. <laughs> he lives up there rent free. But space, it affects us all. It connects us all, binds us all. And that binding, that binding is significant. It's a significant type of bond that's affecting more than it's binding. <laughs> Message I wanted to deliver today. Okay. Is for any extraterrestrials.
that means aliens. <laughs> and that message is, do not come. Do not come. I'm just kidding. We're taking them all. We're taking them all. <laughs>